virus. We're talking about Cyrus. This morning I want to talk to you just a few minutes about God's anointed shepherd. We started on that word anointed last week. Talked on that word anointed. And we see here where Cyrus is who is he talking about God's anointing. And Cyrus pops up throughout the Old Testament. I tell you, he was a type of Jesus Christ. He was a type of Christ in which we all try to walk and imitate Christ in his likeness and what he had done. The scripture text comes from Isaiah, the 44th chapter, the 23rd verse, through the 45th chapter, and the 4th verse. And it reads that frustrated the tokens of the liars and make it diviners mad, that turn it wise men toward backward and make it their knowledge foolish, that confirm it the word of his servant and perform it the counsel of his messengers, that said to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and, and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built. I will raise up the, decade, the decayed places thereof, that said to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thine rivers, that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure. He said, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temples, Thy foundations shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, and to subdue nations before him, I will loose the loins of the kings to open up before him the two leathed gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut asunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have called thee by thy name, I have served named thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, thou that hast not known me. Wow. That's something, you know. Here's a pagan king that he calls his shepherd, his anointed. That's that's not just strode out there haphazardly, you know. We know in the Bible it says, touch, my, not, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Why, if Daniel did show that to him, Josephus said maybe Daniel had showed that that prophecy unto Cyrus. And imagine someone showing that prophecy to you, your name in the Bible, as to what you would do. And that was some spoken some 160 years before Cyrus' birth. I think Josiah's name was in the Bible also, the accomplishment that he would accomplish. But here Cyrus is, and Daniel shows him that because Daniel had been studying the return of Israel to Jerusalem after the 70 years of captivity. 
I gave you verbally to those that listen by sermon audio and any other means the notes until we get someone in that can post the notes on the website and everything. And we pray God would rebuild his desolate places to rebuild the temple just as he commissioned Cyrus to send the people back. Cyrus was a humane king. He, he was a, hum, a king that wasn't like the religious people of Christianity today. You notice how Christianity, a lot of people in Christianity today talk about the different religions and Islam and the Muslims and the Catholics, uh, Buddha and the different people. But Cyrus was different from that. Cyrus didn't make fun of people's religion. Uh, and he was a great soldier as well as a wise man and a benevolent king whose respect for religious freedom led to the return of the Hebrew captives to Jerusalem. Ancient historians report that the tomb assumed to be his was visited by Alexander the Great. Uh, he lived from 356 to 323 B.C. when he conquered Persepolis in 330 B.C. The tomb still exists as the ruins of Sargatus in modern Iran. He was a Persian king. He was king over the Persians and the Medes. Modern day Iran is Persia. Mm. I know you've heard of the god, if you watch the Wishmaster or something like that, you've heard of the god Ahura Mazda. And they worship different gods in Persia. Uh, the Chinese culture and Buddha, you've heard of uh, the yin and yang and light and darkness. In other words, opposites. They have the opposites of the world that's evil and that's good. But if we look at Isaiah, we see God says he do all things. He do the good and the evil. He bring forth calamity. If evil happened in the city and he not, had not done it, you know, a lot of people don't want to attribute these things to God. Hurricane strikes, uh, Katrina come into New Orleans, uh, devastation happens. So, oh, the devil did this, the devil did all these things. Did God ordain that to happen? There's a difference between ordain and anointing. We notice that the word ordain, that God does ordain things, but that Cyrus was anointed. He didn't use the word ordain when he was talking about Cyrus, but Cyrus was anointed. Anointed means to choose by, uh, as if by divine election. If if by divine next election, it's not just anointing with oil. A lot of people think about pouring oil to anoint someone or whatever. But it's to choose by divine election or to designate as if by ritual an anointment of someone or something. And we see where Cyrus, he says, was his anointing. And we covered that word anointing and Christus and David Koresh and all of those things that Christus that anointed David who David, David Koresh who was in the seven day at Venice branched out and had a lot of followers following him and he was their Christ. He was supposed to be their leader, their Christ or whatever that's thus the name Koresh. And uh, but we see what happened when you go into occultism or whatever. But God's saying there's no opposite of God. You know, people think about Satan and God is in this big cosmic battle or whatever. Really? Really? 
Can Satan fight against God or is Satan the creation of God? Isn't Satan a created being just like we are? A lot of people think, oh, the devil's going to do this and hell is grueling hell. No, the devil's going to be fighting for itself in heaven. I mean, in hell, you know, a house divided against itself, you know. It's not that they're going to line up to follow Satan, you know. It's just like the false prophets and the people. Now, what's going to happen to those false prophets when they're cast into hell along with the people that they deceived and caused to be there? There's a great reason not to be a false prophet if you cast out with that woman or that man to cause you to be told in hell is that you know the the person or the thing that's responsible for help dragging you down it's nothing that's why the battles are so so miraculous when husband and wife go after one another or enemies go because you know they see in you as the cause of these things but God says, beside Him, there's no no other God. He's not the He's not in a cosmic battle with Satan or anything. All of these are doing the will of God. Divine providence is a little bit different than God's sovereignty. God says He's sovereign over all things. In other words, all that happens, I think that's that chair. But anyhow. Back to my introduction here with Cyrus. In other words, God's sovereign and God's over all things. He's in total control. So Satan is only doing the bidding of God. Satan's on God's chain. And that's why he had to come to Joe, just to God. He says, Whence comest thou, Satan? He says, Walking to and fro in earth. He was doing his job. He says, Have thou tried my servant Job? He says, Now you got a hedge up around Job. Satan can't do you anything. Satan is bound by God. You see what I'm saying? As a child of God, that's why he can't take you out of God's hand. Now, if you walk away, it's different than something different, but that's a whole other preaching or teaching. But anyhow, God's sovereign over all events. All of these things happen. But divine providence suggests divine care and uh, divine or religious guiding. That's why Jesus said he would give you another comforter, the Holy Ghost, which was going to come in his name. Yes, well, yes. that that's the providence of God, that that spirit guides us and leads us in all truth. So Cyrus had the anointing from God, so God was with Cyrus in doing this. He was God's shepherd. He was God's leader. We see where he called Nebuchadnezzar his servant, but he didn't say Nebuchadnezzar was his anointed, but Cyrus is a type of Christ here. The word ordain is to establish or to order by appointment a decree, or enact a law, a law. We the people do ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States. Uh, also ordain means to destine or foreordain ahead of time. It is futile to try to avoid what destiny has ordained for us. You know, destiny has something set for us to happen. Nothing can change our destiny. But God comes in and supernaturally puts us and redeems us out of mankind. So that's not our destiny. We were already destined. He had 
predestinated us. Predestinated is in the Bible. That's a predestination. It's a Calvinistic term. In other words, God had foresaw, God had set these from the foundations of the world. He had chosen us. He had predestined us. So there are things that are predestined. There are things that are foreordained. Now, in the book of Jude, the first chapter and the fourth verse, it says, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the Lord God, Jesus Christ, who had bought them. Uh, so these people that had crept in unaware, and I thought I had this printed out the way I really wanted it. But you see, these people came in, but they were already, their destiny was already set. What was going to happen to them, they were ordained, the false prophets, the things that's going on, it's not nothing surprising to God. That's why Paul and a lot of us, a lot of them use God's word and says that Satan ministers was going to be transformed into angels of light. All of this was part of the plan so that God condemned sin in the flesh. He knew Satan was going to come peeping around and creep into the church and send his false prophets and preachers into the church. That was so that he could condemn sin in the flesh. These people are condemned. There were certain reasons that God brought these things about. Is as a Pharaoh, he rose up Pharaoh for that particular reason was to destroy Pharaoh. So we're looking at Cyrus here, that Cyrus was anointed of God. And like I said, Cyrus didn't go around when he repatriated the people back to the kingdoms. And a lot of preachers or different people say, well, this was Cyrus' way of getting in good with everybody, that he would say this about that God and about the Syrians, he would say about their God and the Babylonians trying to win people over. So that's why he said this about the Israelite God, Jehovah. That he was sending them back by the direct the, the direction of Jehovah. And that he said that same thing about all of the rest of the people. It kind of reminds you, I don't know who's seen blue chips with Nick Nolte and the basketball players and things in it. And had Shaq and Penny Hardaway and all of those were in recruiting. Nick Nolte was going around, and each one of the children's parents who he would go there to recruit, he said, oh, yeah, he was a Catholic. He, he was born Catholic, and he did all this. But then when he went to recruit Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, one of his, how much, his mother was a Baptist, and he was in the church singing and dancing. He said, oh, Baptist, I was in a Baptist. So it's like some people... As Paul said, he become all things to all people because that's how politicians and people are. When they with this group, they say things for this group. When, when they with that group, they say things that please and appease that group. So you have friends of people say they're talking out of both sides of their mouths. And so you have some people that are different in different situations. But in God's providence, of Cyrus, I think that Cyrus was different in his leadership. Though he did not know God, we know that he didn't know God. But it was something about Cyrus, just like 
Each individual, each all souls belong to God. And so we can't condemn anyone to hell or talk about anyone as the Christians do. Everybody, they want to judge everybody and bring everybody down. But we all have a part to play in life. As a lot of the old people say, the whole world is a stage and everybody has their part to play. But it's something else when you become awoke or aware or you quicken and made alive and you realize what part you should be really playing. What what God had called called you to do or your purpose in life. Then something makes you bulletproof. In other words, they, the police use that terminology bulletproof or whatever. In other words, you're not afraid to die. You know that you're invincible then. If God's on your side, who can be against you? And God does tell us we are his witness. So we see here, first point is Cyrus was commissioned. Cyrus was commissioned by God. And in commissioning Cyrus to do the job for him, he was God's anointed. Maybe not the same as we have the spirit uh, poured oil over or whatever, but he was God's anointed. God did say that Cyrus was his anointed. In other words, he was authorized this by, by divine appointment and authority, and I read to you earlier, where he was holding his hand, he was going to cause him to be victorious, and God causes us to be victorious in all that we do. Because the Spirit wasn't yet given during Cyrus' time, the Spirit would move upon people. The Spirit would move up on individuals. The Spirit would overcome them. And you heard David, how down he was. Brother Jackson was talking earlier about those down times. You know, David was down. He said, Lord, restore the bones that you have broken. Sometimes it looks like something just dries all the spirit up out of you. You don't see things to hope for. It's a desolate place. God restores the desolate place by his spirit. God causes joy to come back up in him. And he actually, God, restore the joy of my salvation. He said the bones that you have broken, it was just that without communion with God, we can't have that joyous fellowship. We don't have that peace and that inner joy that only he gives and that nobody can take away. If God gives you peace and joy, nobody, you you know, my wife see me a lot of times, I'm laughing at, I think of some little slogan or think of something, you know, and just go to laughing about it, you know, about watching TV was the other day and we say, well, you don't want to be the man left holding the bag or something. And God gives you little things to laugh at or think about, but he keeps his people up. That's what you want God to do. He tells Timothy to stir up the spirit that's within you. If you're sad, sing psalms or read in the psalms and sing hymns unto God and read and study the word. It's, it's hope in the word of God. It's, it's meditating in the word day and night. I want to read the passage from Second Chronicles to go along with this passage that I read earlier. It's in Ezra also, but listen at this. It's Second Chronicles 36, 22-23 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdoms and put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, 
the king of Persia. All the kingdoms of the earth had the Lord God of heaven given unto me. The Lord God of heaven, you see, a lot of people was mono, was polytheistic. They worshiped all the different gods. You remember Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel God is the God of gods, and he was a polytheist. He, they worshiped many gods, and that's why God came with so many plagues against Egypt, because each one of those was directed at the gods that those people worshiped. He directed the to the Nile, he directed it to uh, nature, he directed it at all the different gods. And whatever you worship it, God's going to show you all of those are idols. There is no God beside him. He's going to attack your finances. He's going to attack whatever God's in your life. He's going to tear it down because you've built your life on the wrong foundations. I tell you, this was about building on foundations that Earlier in the reading scripture, we went to the scripture in God's divine providence in the book of Isaiah, twenty-what chapter? Twenty-eighth chapter, starting at the sixteenth verse, about judgment. He's gonna lay it to the plummet. It's no nepotism when God lays it to the plummet. Every what it is, tubs will have to sit on his own bottom. We all shall be judged. We all have to stand before God. And receive that judgment. And God, judgment begins at the house of God. So the wind and the rains and the storms will come. This weather will come. If it overfloods you, you'll be washed away. It says it's going to stumble you into the ground. It's God's judgment that does come. So Cyrus says, the God of heaven. And if that God's with you, you couldn't withstand the storms and things. You build your house upon a rock, Jesus Christ being the chief foundation. Yeah. And so Cyrus was on solid ground making this proclamation because he says the God of heaven, Jehovah God. Now he said he had given me choice to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord God be with him and let him go up. That's a type of Christ. He had loosed us. Whoever's in the world and God calls you and you can hear that call through the preaching, the proclamation of God's word. That's what we should be doing as types of Christ, as Cyrus. He had commissioned us to preach his word, to proclaim his word. We are his witnesses. God had redeemed us for a purpose. Cyrus, that anointing is what breaks the yoke. And that preaching and that word of God loose to people. He said, whoever it be, and whoever hear this, let him give unto the cause of God, building back the house of God. Cyrus is a type that built the physical house. That's the house that Jesus came to. It, they called it Herod's temple later on, but that's the one that Cyrus had decreed for them to come back and build. So we're to build God's spiritual house. We are the temple of God. We, we, we have to be careful here. That. See, with this proclamation, we have to be careful here. He says, ye are my witnesses. In the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, 19 verse, it says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you 
And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So that proclamation we should be making, just like when Cyrus loosed the bonds of the people, we should be going out. He had commissioned us. We should hear that call. Have he called us? He's given all of us up that call who hears the word because it says what I say to one, I say to all. What I say to one, I say to all. And so it loosed the people. Can you hear him calling you out of Babylon? Babylon is this world, and Cyrus was sent to destroy Babylon. But I told you the other night that he already had cozied up to the people of Babylon. They didn't like their their leader, their appointed leader or whatever. They wanted a leader of the type Cyrus was. A lot of us don't realize we've had presidents and leaders that we feel are humane leaders. And I was telling you about our mayor and I think she got bad information. A lot of times she could get bad information. But as worldly leaders, we've had different people. And just because they don't have the same belief system we have, it's not that they're naturally evil people. I think it's a lot of politicians that get in there and want to do a good job. They want to do works. They want to do good works. So we all struggling. So we that live in glass houses, we shouldn't throw stones. We shouldn't just go around speaking evil of people. Sometimes we have to just sit back and let them fall where they may, you know. That, that everything, we are witnesses. And sometimes witness tampering where you go to bothering with stuff and moving stuff around. Luke 24 and 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. You see, Cyrus was his anointed. He's telling them, don't leave Jerusalem now until you get this power. That came on the day of Pentecost. That anointing, that spirit, that tongues of fire that set up on each other. We can't preach this gospel without that anointing. A lot have ran. A lot of people go out and preach and teach. Those that, that John and the sons of thunder see, and they say, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? He says, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Every tree that my father hadn't put, if they're not with us, there's here. So that's a lot of people out there preaching the word of God that's not authorized for that. It's just like I told you once before, the authorization lies within the church. It lies within God's anointing. Uh, there's some authorized GM dealers and GM's warranty department. If they have a warranty on your car or whatever, you can take it to any garage to get it fixed or whatever. But if GM look back and see with Chevrolet or something, the issue, the dealer look, and you didn't take it to an authorized dealer, someone that's certified to work on GM cars, it voids your warranty. There's a lot of jack-leg preachers out there. You can be in a lot of churches and a lot of people run that wasn't sent. There's a lot of blind leading the blind. That's why he says, now, beware of the Pharisees. Do as they tell you to do, don't, but don't do as the Pharisees do. Now, we spoke, they says they said in Moses' seat, now, we shouldn't tear religion and thing down, but we have to watch who we give it our money to. He says, know those that labor 
among you. Yes. It doesn't tell us to be blind and say, well, I give the church. That's their responsibility of what they do with it. Well, that's a touchy situation that we'll preach on at another time. But we have to be watch what we're giving power to. Watch the people that we're putting in office. Watch the people that we hurry up and put to a place. We're going against what the Bible says. It says lay hands suddenly on nobody. In other words, anointing was to transfer of power. You laying hands on people, anointing people. He says don't anoint a, a novice, someone that's young, a new to the job or whatever. Be careful who you give in power, authority to. Some people not accustomed to power. That's why it says, beware of quick riches. You know, a lot of times people get money and they go through it because they're not accustomed to money. That's why I say a novice or something that gets up a powerful, a good position. Well, if you hadn't been down there, if you hadn't been a follower, you may not make a good leader. If you hadn't been in the clinches and the trenches to be downing out and suffering, maybe God has to give you experience down there. That's what he had to do with Solomon. Give you those valid experiences. Now you can relate with the poor people. Now you can relate to the, those that was down and out. That's why Jesus, he came around with sinners and he said, eat and talk with them. He can relate to them. Some people we can't relate to other people because we hadn't walked in that guy's shoes. We don't know what that guy's up against. Second Timothy 4 and 5 says, But watch you in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. So he was talking to Timothy, but he tells all of us, watch. We have to be watchful, but all of us should be doing the work of evangelists. We should be going and carrying the gospel. That's why he gave us the gospel so we would not be a reservoir, that we would be a channel in which it flow through. Freely he had given us his word. And if he's really giving it to you, you will really go out with your feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace and declare it to all people. You would want people to have what you have. You would try to convert. You would do this. The, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is doing this. It's by his spirit. Jeremiah thought he could just sit up on that spirit, but that spirit is like fire shut up in your bones. You, you will have to do something with it. Yeah. And if it's sitting there and the coal's going out, it says stir up the gift, stir up the spirit. He stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. He had put it in Cyrus, and now he stirred it up at a certain time. What's in the pot's going to come out. It's going to boil to the top. Notice that cream rises to the top. Cream always rises to the top. We're looking throughout the sovereignty of God, but this is the providence of God with Cyrus. With the king of Assyria, now this is the difference in providence. Providence doesn't impinge upon your will or who you are or what you are. Remember I told you it's the divine guidance and the gentle leading of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It leads us and guides us in all truth. But there's a such, such thing as you could quench the Spirit or you can grieve the Spirit. Don't do those now. We have to learn to keep killing the fire. We have to learn to be full of the Spirit. We don't want to quench or grieve the Spirit. 
listen to this now. With King, the king of Assyria, he was doing what he really naturally wanted to do, and he was not aiming to do the will of God. That's Senator Cherub. He wasn't really aiming to do the, the will of God. He ended up blaspheming God. You remember he went to uh, Isaiah's officials and he talked about the nations and things he had conquered and that no God could stand before him. He was a natural, braggadocious, evil, wicked leader. And he got what God had told him wrong. God had told him to attack Israel. God never told him to attack Jerusalem, to to attack Judah. As a matter of fact, when he got ready to do it, he blasphemed God, and God says, don't worry about it, because Hezekiah turned and he prayed unto God. And Isaiah told him, don't worry about it. He won't shoot an arrow across across the wall. See, he didn't understand the will of word, but he was naturally evil. He, in other words, he was ordained unto that. Uh, Isaiah, the tenth chapter, the fifth through the seventh verse. Listen at this: Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger against Israel. I'm, I'm going to use Assyria to whip my children. You know. With a switch, you take that switch and you beat them with it. If you love them, you beat them with a belt or stick or something, and you and you straighten them out. But then you throw the switch away because it's accomplished its purpose. What well, Assyria was the rod in God's hand that God used. Judas was the tool of the rod that God used to betray Christ. But it was in Judas to do this because he was greedy for money. You remember, he was guarding the bag. He said, should that money that was that anointing oil that Mary burst and washed the feet of Jesus Christ with, he said, should that have been put in the bag? He was guarding the bag because he was stealing money out of the bag. He was naturally greedy and covetous. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Knowing it was a woe beyond him. But already it wasn't that ordained. He said he goes the way that was designed. It wasn't a surprise that Judas was betraying him. Didn't he say, I've chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? This wasn't nothing new. This wasn't anything haphazard or anything. So that same thing with Assyria. Let me finish reading. He says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger against Assyria. I'm going to use you to beat my people, and now I'm going to destroy you for beating my people. Mm-hmm. That's the way God is. It says, The staff in whose hand is my indignation and fury against Israel's disobedience. They've been disobedient. Now I'm going to send an army. I'm going to send somebody in to straighten them out. Notice that he called Satan and told Satan, have you tried Job? Job wasn't bothering nobody or what, was he? But there was a problem in Job. Job had a little self-centeredness in him. He had a little self-righteousness in him. God had to tune him up. And it destroyed all of this. We don't know what the children had did, but he took those children from Job. He killed them. The Sabean thing took all he had. That's God's sovereignty. The sovereignty of God. It says, I sent Assyria against a godless nation and commissioned it against the people of my wrath to take the spoil and to seize the plunder and to trample them down like mud in the streets. Yet 
It is not a serious intention to do my will, nor does it plan so in its heart, but instead it is in its purpose to destroy and cut off many nations. You doing this because you wicked and evil. What did Joseph tell his brother? You did it for evil. God meant it for good. God had to get Joseph to Egypt to do his work, and I'm going to use your wicked brothers to do it. They're going to sell you into slavery. So don't go trying to get credit what credit is not due. You was a tool that God used to carry out his plan. He implemented this against them. Now, like I said, God's influence he does. He he used you know, that individual. That's why I say in God's people, He changes their heart. He changes their nature. His word washes and sanctifies. He cleanses envy, hatred, evil, malice. You have to be washed by the word. You have to be sanctified. Unless you're a doer of God's word, you're not going in. You're not going in. If you're idolater, worshiping of these things follow these things. You understand? There's a difference. That's why we have to sit there in God's word. It's a preparatory time. We have to, that word, the preachers and teachers are sent so that wouldn't be a spot of blemish. But a lot of us don't like to listen to people. We don't like to listen to preaching and teaching. And that's what he does. He sends it against disobedient children. Just like I said, this is a very hypocritical nation and this national Christianity that's rising, the wickedness and evilness of God that they doing in this God's going to come up against that. Notice that Persia, which is Iran, who's sending missiles and drones for Russia to fight against Ukraine, and that there's a war brewing with us, with China. I don't know how close y'all are watching and monitoring world events or whatever. The pot's starting to cook. The pot's starting. And the greedy people in this nation who put the wrong people in during the elections because gas is a little bit high for them. They don't care about moral and ethics. They're thinking inflation and all this, but yes. that shouldn't be why you give your power. It says they give power unto the beast. Yes. See, your vote is power. And see, God's going to sort you according to what you... He knows the intent in the hearts of all of these individuals that's doing this. You may be a goody two-shoes afraid to go forward. Esther was there. Well, you remember Queen Esther? She took Vasti's place with King Artaxerxes. She came in. That was Mordecai's niece that he raised, and she was in the palace. And Mordecai told her what Haman had came up with this plan. And he told Esther to go into the king and tell the king and solicit this and tell the king. Esther said, no, you know what happened? You go to the king, and he hadn't called you. That he could take your head off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. We don't like to make sacrifices. See, that's what I say. For the price of gas, uh, for a few dollars here, or uh, inflation or whatever, we love self-pleasure. We like to be comfortable. Somebody's taking away. She was comfortable in the palace, and she had everything. You know, I could do it. Listen to what Mordecai said, the fourth chapter of Esther. 14 verse. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish, since you did not help you had, and when you had the chance to, and who knows whatever 
whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this for this very purpose. Why do you think God put you in that house? Why do you think God put you where you are? Now you're scared to say something. It's a lot of people scared to say something they don't want to lose. But it's a leap of faith. Take a leap of faith. If you don't do it, somebody else could do it because God's plans will come forward. How do you know that ain't why God put you there? You know, that's what the mind of prophets, they had something to say. If God give you a dream and give you something to do, you'll be able to say it with all heart and everything and walking by faith in this, knowing that God had raised you up and give you this, this proclamation. You know, I tell you, Solomon wasn't a Jehovah follower. He didn't know God. But he stepped out boldly and made this proclamation and told everybody to get in with it. You have to. These things are by faith. Listen at this, though. Pharaoh, Exodus 9, 16. Or you can find it in Romans 9, 17. Pharaoh was a wicked man. And they said, well, how can Pharaoh resist if God kept hardening his heart? Notice that the first time it was Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then after that, God just increased what he was doing, his hardening of the heart. But Pharaoh first resisted and said, who is God that should obey him? Remember I told you, God turns us over to a reprobate mind. You keep persisting in this. So it says, this is what he tells Pharaoh. He says, and in very deed, for this cause have I raised you up. In other words, he was ordained unto condemnation like the people in Jude. He says, for to show in thee, for to show in thee my power. He says, for to show in thee my power and that by my name may be declared throughout all the earth that people were saying, man, you seen how he destroyed Pharaoh in that water? That he destroyed the whole army of Israel? He raised him up for that very purpose. Some people are made to be vessels of honor. Some are made to be vessels of dishonor. God do it as he will. Who can say to him what thou doest do? You better find out and seek God and get where you need to get. You could be made a vessel of honor if you follow the program. If God has that in the line in the cards for you, it has to be in the cards for you though. The second is proclamation or command. Just as Cyrus made a proclamation telling the people to return because of God's word, we should also do so setting the captives free, go about proclaiming God's word. The proclamation of Cyrus. He says, now, and this is in Ezra. You remember I tell you that scriptures throughout. This is in Ezra, the first chapter, Ezra 1 through 4. It says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, now, when I say first year, that means the first year after he cap- captured Babylon. You remember I told you he was the king that drained that river, Euphrates, and they walked along the riverbed. God says he was holding his hands that the lead gates would be open. He walked right in without a fight. He became king without a fight. God becomes king in our lives without a fight. Jesus Christ comes in our lives and gives us the anointing. It's by God's grace are we saved. It's by his grace, but it's through faith. He says, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, the king. So he made that proclamation. 
whoever there's among you, listen and the reason I read this one in Ezra, listen at what he says, because here's a whoever. See, God's word is to whoever believe. Now, when he say whoever, a lot's going to go. It'd be many a call, but only a few chosen. All of them didn't go back. Some of them went back for different reasons. But it says, whoever there's among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is God who He is God who is in Jerusalem. In any place where there's a survivor, in any part of my kingdom, and he, he ruled all of the kingdoms in that area, may live, let the men, that is Gentiles of that place, support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with free will offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. With all of these offerings, any type, you freely give to him, to God. Now he gave back those vessels in which Belteshazzar was drinking out of. You remember Belteshazzar was having this party with the vessels. Those vessels, Cyrus respected that God to where he wouldn't drink out of those vessels. He gave those vessels for them to go back and put back in that temple. This would be a walk of faith on behalf of building the temple. And you can read this in First Chronicles, the 29th chapter, verse 1 through 19, when Solomon built the temple of God and the glory that God bestowed upon him. We all should go back. And I'm looking for not my kids only, but the next generation, to those that God's calling in this time to come back and build back the desolate places. Not all of God's churches and buildings are thriving. Some of them are falling down. There's decay. They need painting. They need remodeling. They need different things done to it. But they're out with the mega prophets and places that they they think they're living good. They're, they're, they're blind. And the blind is leading the blind. They get gave all of their wealth and things to the wrong thing. But God's going to dry up those things. He said that he would dry those things up. That's why the next, in that point about commission, I'm saying we must be careful how we build. Yes. We must be careful how we build. First Corinthians, the third chapter, 10 through the first 15 verses. Um, it has to stay in that test. Isaiah 40, 29th chapter, 16th verse, where that judgment and the plummet and when the waters come. The false prophets and the doctrine, because he did tell us, listen at the Pharisees, but don't beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Yes. So preach through preaching and teaching, there's a lot of false prophets and antichrists, and he says there'll be many antichrists in the world. It'd be given over to seducing spirits. We have to be careful how we build. First Corinthians tells us this. It says, according to the grace of God which was given unto me, this is Apostle Paul talking, he prepared me for my test. He says, like a skillful master builder, I laid a foundation and now another is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that foundation. And I told you the other night, I didn't see where he told Cyrus to go back and build the cities in the town of Jerusalem or whatever. 
He laid the foundations where the temple could re- be rebuilt. The people were to come back and rebuild the cities and towns. The foundation, Jesus Christ came and laid the foundations for the temple, the spiritual temple that he's building. That foundation is right. Storms will come. The trials and tribulations, watch how you build. A lot of our children or people will come into the church. And as I told you about our mayor and other people, watch what people tell you. It's going to be a lot of people come in that's preachers that teach it. They'll tell you the wrong thing. Be careful where you get your information from. He says, beware of the Pharisees. Everybody that's preaching and teaching is not necessarily understanding what they're preaching and teaching. There'll be many of wolves out there in sheep's clothing. How did they get the sheep's clothing? They killed and skinned the other sheep and took their, their clothes, their wool and covered with their wool. There's a lot of people that they're getting their money and things. They're giving them power. They're giving tithes and offerings and doing all of these things. And they will come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And I said, but I never knew you. See, I tell you, Cyrus didn't know the Lord. Sometimes we can be in heard of somebody, but we don't actually know them. You know, do you, do you know your brothers and sisters? Do you know those that labor among you? I say, you have to know those that labor among you. You know, sometimes people are married to people that have husbands and wives in other cities and towns or whatever, and you didn't know that person as well as you thought you knew. They got children, your children's age, and you didn't even notice. And it's been years and years going on. He says... But if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it because it is to be revealed by fire, and fire will test the quality and character of everyone's work. If anyone's person's work which he has built on this foundation, if that remains, he'll survive. You'll be like Lot. Lot was so wealthy that him and Abraham had to divide everything that they had. They had to move away from one another. But Lot got out of Sodom and Gomorrah with just the clothes on his back. No more children, no more servants or nothing. He was in poverty. He didn't have anything. The Bible doesn't tell you of Lot's death. It says Lot was a righteous man, but he was like the prodigal son. A lot of people tell the story of the prodigal son about in my father's house is many mansions. It's many mansions, but he's going to be living with his brother because what he said, all that I have belongs to your brother. So he didn't waste his inheritance. A lot of us wasting what we have. Now, this isn't no socialism. Each man will be rewarded according to his work. You didn't lost what you had in eternity. You don't get these rewards and everything. That's why it's going to be crying and weeping because they, they didn't lost what they had. This prodigal son, he didn't have anything. His, his brother was his keeper now. All that the father had belonged to the other brother. See, everybody's not going to have a mansion in heaven. Don't, don't think it's the way people talk about we will just sit around in heaven. Those are the lazy people. Wouldn't it be lazy just to sit around and do nothing all day and just look and stare around through eternity? But when you're busy, doesn't it seem like time flies? Mm, yes. Cyrus would be the one who laid the foundations. 
It thou sh- it says Isaiah forty fourth chapter twenty six b b part of twenty six through twenty eight. It says, "Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah you shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that saith to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up thine river." Said Cyrus. It says, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall. So he made right. That's why Jesus Christ came down here and laid the foundation. No other foundations can he be laid. Now, it's up to you to build, but if you build the wrong way, you're not going to have anything. If your life is led the wrong way, you're going to lose all your rewards. You're building with wood, staying stubble in hell. Book, this is Cyrus in the 45th chapter of Isaiah. It says, crooked it made straight, which speaks to judgment. It says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in the pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I am the Lord which called thee by name. I am the God of Israel. Now, here what he's doing, he's talking about removing false doctrine, the transferal of wealth, riches in hidden places. There's going to be a drying up. Do you remember I tell you the apostate church, he's going to come in and fight against the church. He tells us that in the book of Revelation, unless you repent, he's going to fight against the church. He's going to remove all wickedness and evil. All those jack leg preachers and people running around here masquerading in the church. Look at Revelation 16 and 12. You remember the bold judgments, the vials that are pulled out in judgment? Revelation 16 and 12 says, Revelation 16 and 12 says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates and it and was dried up so that the way could be prepared for the kings. In other words, he's gonna destroy the false prophets. God's gonna destroy this. It's by his spirit that he's accomplishing this. The apostate church shall be removed. All of the wicked the judgment begins at the house of God. So the third point is confession. I told you we see that Cyrus was not a worshiper of God and he didn't know God. But what we do in God, he says, repent and be baptized. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So by confession, when we confess our faults and turn to Jesus Christ, he says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. So we get in the church and that's what we're doing. We're learning of God's word. So all these people talk about he got a good heart and everything. Yeah, but if he's not converted, if he don't have a new heart, if he hadn't confessed Christ, you're a false professor, and it's going to be shown. You're going to receive power from up on high. That anointing of God is the anointing that breaks the yoke. So if he redeemed us, and that's what we proclaim, we tell everybody. I, I tell all of my relatives, everybody that I know about Jesus Christ, if you left outside the ark, we can't open the door. Notice that no one could open the door of the ark. If you're outside, you're outside. The conclusion is, John 1 and 12 says, But as many as received him, 
To them he gave power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. So if you believe upon his name, you're going to take his yoke upon you. You're going to learn it. He gave the ability. In other words, the loose of the leave gates that he would walk before us and guide us and lead us in all truth. And what does the truth do? The truth makes us free. That's what sets us free. Walking in the word and the will and the way of God. He will give us that power from on high, that anointing. And you know that anointing rests upon us. He took the spirit away from Saul, but he says to David that when his son, when Solomon, when we do wrong, he's going to whip us with the cords of the, the fist of man. In other words, that's why he let man comes upon you. The fist, the arm of the sword of man is God's chastisement too. Sometimes he beats you to death with that. He promises you, and I do mean beat to death, because some of us he has to take out of the world. Those sheep that I told you the wolves had on sheep's clothing, don't get it wrong. Now, some of us will lose our lives. Some of us will be devastated. Different things will happen. But we have to seek God and with fear and trembling work out our own salvation and be sure of our calling. So just coming sitting up in the church ain't going to do any good. You have to get busy and be a doer of the word of God. You have to get to know him. How do you get to know him? How do you get to know anybody? You tell them your most intimate secrets, those things that your kryptonite. As Samson told Delilah, his weakness, you go tell God all about it. Tell him of your infirmities. Tell him of your fears. He already knows it. Everything is naked before God. All you're doing is confessing without to him. Without you, I am nothing. But through you, I can do all things. Give me of your spirit and of your gift. Heavenly Father, help lift me up. I can do nothing without you. Through prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. So as we start out today with thy will be done, give us our daily bread. That we meditate in your word day and night and that we be led by your spirit. That your spirit would guide us and lead us into all truth. I need that anointing. We need the anointing because it breaketh the yoke. To be led by the spirit of God. And those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. We have to die to self. Heavenly Father.